it started. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Ricky and Benny with the Robin Slipper Show. I wanted to start off by giving an introduction to us, let you know a little bit about what we're trying to do here. We're working on building a podcast that has a holistic approach to professional development, and we want to reach your overall spiritual and professional development as a whole. And Benny, go ahead, open up and let, tell us a little bit about yourself and how we met. Okay, uh, welcome to our podcast. Uh, um, so we, we go back, uh, Army days. We recruited together in Detroit. Um, uh, had a lot of fun during those years. <laughs> so uh, 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 I guess we're kind of just coming back and sharing. I guess it's two old guys sharing sharing knowledge, sharing wisdom, um, trying to create something that um, uh, listeners can benefit from. You know, I think that that would be our approach here. Ricky. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Benny. Uh, well, what would you like to know? Uh, tell us, uh, you know, where you're from. So I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, uh, born and raised. Uh, I have lived in a few different states in my life. So I've stayed in, uh, I've lived in Alabama a couple of years. That was in my early years. Uh, while I was in the Army, lived in Florida. Uh, and now I reside in Louisiana. How'd you get to Louisiana? Uh, I got stationed here with the Army. Yeah, so Army moved me here for recruiting duty. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm uh, originally from Louisville, Kentucky, and I joined the Army back in 1993, and I retired in 2014 while I was in the Army. I met Benny in Detroit as uh, while we were on recruiting together, um, and we also had a uh, business together, uh, Evolved Entertainment, which we did uh, fairly well with it. Uh, we had a potential of going into something bigger, uh, and hopefully we can pick it up again one day. We kind of dissolved the company. Uh, it was kind of hard yeah. managing um, recruiting offices as well as a business and family at the same time. You got to have that work-life balance. Uh, so that's one thing, you know, one of the subjects we'll talk about down the road here as well, work-life balances. Um, and then also um, recently graduated from a post, post-university past year, uh, work currently in a postgraduate school or a graduate program right now, working towards my MBA. Um, I believe Benny, he's you, you did already get your MBA, right? Are you working on it still? Uh, so yeah, so I got my I got my degree in marketing, and mm-hmm. then I got uh, a postgraduate certificates in uh, real estate management and leadership, um, uh, strategic leadership. So uh, you know, like currently, I'm a broker, a real estate broker. And I use the my experiences in the army, um, you know, my education to 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 help me in that field. 
Great. Well, yeah, now tell me, uh, uh, well, the, the people listening, let's give them a little icebreaker about us. Uh, let's start out with you. I want to do the give me two truths and a lie that we, I'm going to try to figure out which one's the truth and, and which one's the lie. <laughs> You know, right. kind of lets you, you know, let's our listeners and let them know we're real people and everything. So, go ahead and uh, give your your answers if you if you have them ready. Oh, okay. So, two truths and a lie. Um, uh, I first got my real estate license at nineteen. Um, I graduated from high school in ninety seven. And uh, I have two children. Okay. Well, I do know you have two children, so that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Son and the daughter. Yeah. And then uh, that's this. Um, and then the, I believe you did have a real estate license in nineteen. Is that is that true? That is true. I did. That's true. Okay. So you didn't graduate in '97? Is that the lie? <laughs> well, well, what I did, well, you know, I, I dropped out of high school, man. Um, I would say I, okay. I, I would say I, I, I valued education, but I think I didn't value the traditional education at that time, and uh, so I, I dropped out, and I ended up getting my GED. Okay, I'm glad you brought that. Uh, that's something that we definitely want to talk about later on because. Uh, you know, there's so many ways to further your education other mm-hmm. than the traditional ways, as you stated. And a lot of people have different learning styles, as which I learned as you know, going back to school. You know, one of the classes we had to take is like, hey, what is your learning style? You know, is are you an audio, you know, audio person? Like, you could do you have to hear it? Are you a, audio visual person where you got to hear and see it or you just a visual person well, there's different ways of learning sometimes people got to have different form actually somebody sometimes people are a combination of you know learning patterns and things of that nature and if they can't capture capture you as a um, a student or they don't see that in you then what ends up happening is that that person kind of goes into the cracks and doesn't have that you know fire about learning that passion yeah. about learning and it's really good to, to find a way to connect with uh, the young people about learning because education is super important. And yeah. you, you, okay, you guys send me some questions. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ready? Okay, Let me, let's pause right there. Okay. Oh, let me get. Okay. All right, Ricky. So, um, the first question I have, man, is at what age did you get into your profession and uh, and why did you or why? Okay. Well, my profession would have been my military career because, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, as an NCO, you, you know, you are a non-commissioned officer for those who aren't in the military. That's the uh, pretty much the senior leadership as well as in a sense in the corporate world, it's like middle management. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if that's the case, I got into the military at age 18 years old. And the reason why I went into the military is because at that time when I graduated from high school, I knew me personally, I wasn't ready for college. I, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I could have did it, but 
at the same time, I had a lot of wanting to discover the world in me. And why not get paid while discovering the world? <laughs> you, it, you know, exactly. Why don't don't go to I I figure like I'm not gonna wait, go to college and waste my money and try to party and all that good stuff. Whereas I went to the army and had a good time and party. And at the same time, the army still trained me, gave me the discipline that I needed to get my mind right and become the professional that I would be that I am today. Mm. And mm. Yeah, that's pretty much the reason why, you know, the biggest thing was like, hey, I, well, I wanted to get out of my house, too. I want my independence, too. <laughs> I was yeah. like, mom and dad, I got to go. I mean, my, more so when my little parents got divorced, I was like, I got to go. I, you know, it's been real. I love you. I want to go out in the world, do my own thing. Yeah. And that covers uh, the first question. Okay. So, um, with that being said, what would you say are some of your biggest challenges uh, when you or within your profession? Uh, being in the military, one of the biggest things was actually being away from friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it was an advantage because I gained new friends and family. If uh, you know, if you understand, because you know, in the military. We have a different bond, than I ain't gonna necessarily say that some people on the streets, but when you really have to depend on somebody for your life, the that bond is a lot different than to somebody you hang out with and have a good time with. It's, you know, like, oh man, I depend on you. Like, you do your job, I live. If you don't do your job, I don't live. So <laughs> we have a, a different understanding. Um, the biggest challenges uh, being away from, you know, people that you know. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, the, you know, being an American and being a black man, obviously, you know, you dealt with, you know, racism within the military, even though you shouldn't have, but it was there too. That was one of the big challenges. I mean, it wasn't horrible and it got, I mean, it got less and less as I, Went further up in rank and things of that nature because now you definitely are getting uh, promoted based off your merit versus you know who likes you more so when you're in the lower enlisted ranks um, or who has the the power to promote you better yet. Mm. It's interesting that you bring that up. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I find I find it interesting that you 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 bring up um, um, racism in the military. Uh, I I know it's it's been a sensitive topic, you know, for a long. Well, racism is is constantly a a sensitive topic in in any in any uh, realm. Um, I you know I I will say I I felt racism was more so an, an a lack of experience or an ignorance of other cultures than just an outright hatred or um let, let's go there like like because like, like when you think of racism I, you know at least what comes to my mind a lot of times is is the hatred associated with that like somebody hates me somebody mm-hmm. is against me um, well, simply by the color of my skin. Well, you know? I can answer that. I can I can tell you how it impacted me while I was in. I can be very specific because it happened mm-hmm. to me. Um, 
one, my definition of racism is not necessarily just the hatred of somebody's skin color. It's mm-hmm. racism in itself. It's not um, a lot of people get prejudice and racism tied up. The words or the definition you get is kind of more of the prejudice. Racism means you have power over somebody. Like if you're the white person that's in charge and you only promoting white people versus promoting the black guy that's working just as hard, if not harder than the white people, you still don't promote them. That's when racism takes place. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You, you actually you don't have power with racism. I mean, I mean you lose, well, you you take away somebody's power with racism. Now, mm-hmm. presidents, you can hate me too. You know, you can hate me all day. I don't care if you like me or not. I mean, that's that's a bias. That's a personal bias. Mm-hmm. But what actual racism means you actually have control and will to affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's what racism is. You actually, have, I actually had to go through that on several occasions with different leadership and until you have somebody else of color and power to help you 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 know it's if you're an inexperienced young black person doesn't know anything or know better like hey they mess you over Mm -hmm. then you don't you just don't know but when somebody then actually my experience was like i was uh let's let me take over my career i went to fort knox did well everybody loved me there then i went to fort fort campbell kentucky and then while I was there, I had this race. And it wasn't, it's not even my bias. It's saying, like, I, this guy was just racist. Somebody else that it was completely, I ended up meeting somebody like years later that said the same exact thing about this guy that was my leader. And, and uh, it was when I got stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. But this guy, you know, everybody got to get stationed in different places or whatever. But when I went to uh, Fort Campbell, he was my leader and he was not doing anything to help me get promoted. But at the same time, he just used me, used me, used me. Will put me in charge of details and say, you know, oh, you're the highest ranking E4. You take everybody down there and get the motor food squared away, and then I'm coming down and inspect it. I was basically in charge of the, the E4. Everybody was my ranking below all the time, but he would never put me up for promotion. And then we brought another NCO in. They happened to be a black man. He was like, "Why are y'all putting Rick or uh, Special Smith in charge of everything? But you don't want to promote." promote him and then he came to me and was like are you ready to go to the board special smith i was like i'm always ready to go to the board he was like well you going he said go in there until first turn that you want to go to the board i was like roger that i went in there because he's an nco at the time too i'm sorry i'm just following orders so i'm like roger that he was like if you're if you're a first line supervisor it's not giving you a reason why because we have to do monthly counseling they supposed to show you how to improve or, you know, your shortfalls and your improvements every month. And he wasn't doing that for me. He was just, just kind of giving me some what this one in the mill, whatever, whatever. And he was just going to keep on using me. Imagine when you got a workhorse that's making you look good. Why would you want to get rid of that workhorse? And that's all he was doing for a whole year. He didn't do anything to help progress me at all. This guy was there for a month. The next month I went to the board, the next uh, when I went to that board, maxed that board out. Four months later, I was a sergeant just like him. And then that guy was in charge of me for a whole year and didn't do anything to help progress my career at all. Mm-hmm. That's racism. Okay, okay. This is an interesting okay. topic. So I, I think to because for the sake of time, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna wrap this one up. But we we got I okay. think at least two conversations or two topics just arose out of that. You know, racism yeah. in the military. And also, um, um, you know, dealing, I, I, I think 
leadership and supporting a hierarchy. You know what I mean? Yeah. The army is a hierarchy and hierarchies are important. I, I, I'm an advocate of hierarchies. So I, I definitely want to go back and discuss those two topics because I think that's rich content right there. Totally, yeah. totally rich content. Um, but but uh, let's move to the to the final question, and then we're going to wrap this up. Um, uh, what are you doing when you're normally listening to music, and what are you listening to? Actually, uh, I have a, a wide variety of music I listen to. Depends on what I'm doing or what I need to, use to help me do better yet. Like when I uh, do my homework at night, or or even at work, what I'll do have it playing in my headphones in the background is like this relaxing zen type music. Mm. It's just kind of you know some orchestra type music, not really loud, not too dun dun, you know, not too many crescendos or anything. And it's kind of just a, a smooth you know, up and down type of music. And then um and then if I'm riding around, I like to listen to trap music, you know, I'm from the South, you know. <laughs> 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 like, you know. But at the same time I like the, the classics, you know, the old school music from like the seventies and eighties as well. Yeah. And then I also like um, you know, all the old school rap too. You know, I'm a big fan of the old school rap. The new rap there's a few songs out there I like, but for the most part, it's, it doesn't capture me like it did back in the 90s. You know, because and, and it's it's not just a per- I mean, yes, it reminds me of my childhood, but it spoke more to me because a lot of the themes that they talked about, I could relate to, whereas these kids now, they're more so about materialism. If you really listen to the uh, the music, even back when we were listening, they talked about music or the materialism, but now and then they had storytelling. Nowadays, the kids—I mean, it's some it's some great artists out there like J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, um, what's the Chance Rapper, uh, Childish Gamble, Bambino. It's, it's you know some good rappers still out there, good artists out there. Um, but the, at the same time, there's a lot of them. Out, or uh, what's the guy, you know, Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle, the past. Uh, oh, my son loves Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, he he's uh, you know he's he was one of the few who who really kind of wanted to step away from the the uh, the gangster lifestyle. He was like, no, he started to see the vision outside. You know, it, it's hard for a lot of these young people to see past their neighborhoods or past their cities because they think that's all that's out there for them. And it's kind of hard to explain to them, like, no, it's a big world outside of these, you know, these, this small community that you're in right now. So mm-hmm. don't get too wrapped up in what's going on. Or you got to go see the world if you got an opportunity. It's a, uh, you know, and that goes back to me, like, why well, I joined the military. I wanted to get away. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to see the world. I saw where it was getting bad in my hometown. I was like, you know what? You know, it might be time for me to get out of there. And then the very next year, uh, we went to being one of those uh, what's the word I'm looking for murder capitals. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. And, you know, it it was horrible. I was like, see, had I stayed in my hometown with the school there, me being a hot head that I am, I knew I could have easily been one of those statistics. So it's good that I got into a, even though I'm right down the street from my hometown, I'm still in a more controlled environment with people that are like-minded as me that kind of want to have that professional development, want to you know, move forward in life. They they all, in a sense, want to kind of like make better for themselves. Not necessarily professionally, but personally. You know, they like, hey, I want to go to school for the education. Hey, I want to start a family. 
you know, whatever reason why people go into the military is, uh, you know, we all have some similar want to change who we are and become a better person. You know, some folks, they, I'm not saying this for everybody, some people come in the military and still think they're back on the block and still that same person and all this stuff. And they, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't change at all for them. But for me, I was one of the people that actually benefited from it. I mean, I had a few bumps along the way, but for the most part, you know, I think I, I did really well and I, I benefited from benefited from it. And then later on, I started talking about, like when we started talking about like uh, mentors uh, that we've had throughout our lives, I bring up a lot of my old mentors that, that, that did a lot for me personally. You know, not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, financially, physical or anything like that, but just gave me some great mental knowledge or uh, some great great food, mental food that we're all for. So. Mm. And that's it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, last last question. Last question. Cause I, I, and I just came up with this because I thought, you know, after listening to you, uh, I think this would probably be a good uh, closing question. Okay. Top three albums and why? Ah. <sighs> Man, that's the one you kind of outcast their uh, second equipment out of second album. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason being uh, because during the the mid nineties, the East Coast West Coast thing was really big, uh, or beef was really big, and then they won Best New Artist that year. And when they went up on stage, they got booed and. And uh, what was it? Dre said, you know, at least the South got something to say. And that resonated with me being a Southerner. That resonated with me greatly. And I was like, oh, yeah, we do have something to say. We don't necessarily it kind of made us break away from me, like everybody else's lead on music and culture. and everything. So that is to me is like the most important. And then they even did a collaboration with uh, like Wu-Tang Clan and things. And then speaking of Wu-Tang Clan, that would be my next favorite album because the Wu-Tang Clan is of, of the, uh, like, the East Coast guys. You know, I love their whole format and uh, what they did as a crew. And that's another thing we're going to talk about is how guys can come together to create something greater. And then, actually, uh, even NWA out of the West Coast was another one because that was my first concert I ever went to as a kid. And they're very, that was, they're, they were very impactful for me. They introduced me to the West Coast rap scene. Or the gangster raps, the West Coast gangster rap scene, or if anything, and then, um, but I didn't want to necessarily emulate, you know, that their lifestyle. But they, they, I could tell their stories. I mean, hear their stories and like, oh wow, this is kind of like where I am too. So they kind of going through the same thing that I'm going through, even though we're in different necks of the woods. So that was another, you know, I, I really took to them, and uh, and then you can see what came from what they did. You know, they were just kids in the neighborhood and they just wanted to make something for their neighborhood. And then they grow here you go, 30 years later, they got a movie. Their sons are acting in the movies that they're producing. You know, they've created generational wealth from coming together. So that's one of the biggest things to be like doing collaborative projects together like we're doing is something that we can use to build upon. So. Ah, excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, man. Well, uh, let's close this out and um, and send this to production, I guess. <laughs> okay. Wrap it up, bro. 